This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Brothers Television's hit CBS comedy, Young Sheldon, from the Big Bang Theory executive producers Chuck Lorre and Stephen Malero. IndieWire says Young Sheldon excels at capturing humor and heart, while The Daily Beast raves that Young Sheldon has enough heart, creative independence, and integrity to stand alone. And Yahoo TV calls Young Sheldon uncommonly well-acted and cleverly conceived with the casting coup of the year. Ian Armitage's performance as nine-year-old Sheldon Cooper is exceptional. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for, wow, this is a marquee category here, Best Drama Series. This is what we have been leading up to all year on this podcast. It is. Uh, plus, you're going to hear my interview with Mandy Patankin from Showtime's Homeland, one of those drama series contenders, and Dominic's interview with the creative uh, team behind The Handmaid's Tale. Who won last year in the drama category. Yes. My interview is from our annual Emmys Contenders event. But let's get right into it. Handmaid's Tale Season 2. Don't count out that it could be a back-to-back -back win for them. Yeah. Don't count out. It's common in the Emmys uh, to have back-to-back -back wins for these shows to go at least two to three years before they burn out a little bit with the Emmy love. Uh, we've seen it uh, happen time and time again. The Handmaid's Tale is uh, one that's getting a lot of attention in its second year, continues to, and part, because I mean, it's of, so timely. And so <laughs> timely, but also I think, and yeah. Hulu's been very smart about this, Hulu took the took the pri the golden prize that Netflix and Amazon couldn't believe was the scoop. Yeah. They're like, you guys got this before <laughs> yeah, us? I know, that's true. But one of the things that came out of this is the first season, which was fantastic, Elizabeth yeah. Moss won as well, and well-deserved, and others did as well, um, was based on Margaret Atwood's novel, the 1985 yeah. novel, yeah. right? Season two, not so much. Season two, this is all original yeah. with Bruce Miller and the gang. Now, right. they've taken threads, that have been in, were, were 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 touched on in the book, uh, like of, of where things went, how how this happened, how this 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 puritanical dystopia took place in America, et cetera, et cetera. But season two is about those stories. Now it's very harsh, and some people would might say there's a little bit of gender gender porn going on with it in terms of the way it deals with some of these issues. But it has been exceptional in its timing, as you said. Yeah. And in its execution. And, and I mean is, no pun and, by that. Uh, and Hulu's doing some great uh, promotion of it all over town. And you see those billboards and everything. So I think it's on the minds of Emmy voters, if it wasn't already. Uh, they've done a very good job with that. There's a couple of shows nominated last year in this very competitive category that aren't eligible this year. Uh, Better Call Saul and House of Cards. Of course, House of Cards because of... Kevin Spacey got in all kinds of trouble, so that will be back, but not till next year. But without Kevin, but with no Kevin Spacey, with no Kevin, no Kevin Spacey, Spacey. who no act, Spacey. quite frankly, Kevin Spacey better call Saul. Yeah, because uh, but that's wow. a whole now that that's is a, a whole that, other now thing. that is a <laughs> that is a spinoff yeah. for the agency. And that, by the way, <laughs> being that Better Call Saul is on FX, which will, yeah. of course will soon be owned by Disney, yeah, that could be part of the new Disney FX. Ah, there better you go. call Better Call better Frank call Underwood. Saul. Actually, I have to say it's on AMC. But oh, thanks I'm for sorry, playing. You're right. Oh, sorry. I got that wrong. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, there's something that happens where the air is thin at the top of the cable dial. Yes. <laughs> I lose myself okay. there. You're right. But Sorry, AMC, Home of the Walking Dead, yeah, and, and Breaking Bad. I love and AMC. I love AMC. Okay, so here's the thing. The Crown, that's going to get nominated. Totally. Uh, totally, and that was nominated last In fact, year. There's a lot of these season twos that you can pretty much are given. They're this be is there. us. This is us, Westworld, Stranger Things, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale. They're all, all, they're all in. They're right? all back. So we don't have that much there's room. There's not a lot of room. So, so we I, have five shows that we think from last year are coming back this year. And, and how? And is there a limit in the category? Uh, it, this can go up to about seven. They have a rule yeah, there. Yeah. But is that a hard rule? I didn't think it was a hard rule. It's not a hard rule. No. So, but it so has technically been. you could go up to ten. They were at seven last year. They'll be at seven again this year. All right. Year, well, here, here's where I think this gets a... This is and the start. problem is, let's throw in Game of Thrones. Well, let's throw in the, the big guns. I mean, yeah. they're there. Game of Thrones, which has won twice before in this category. Wasn't eligible last year. Year. Because of timing issues and because yeah. of the way they brought the season back. And of course, is now going, in, this will be where it will be, voters will be voting on what is, is its penultimate episode of the HBO series yeah. based on George R.R. R. Martin's books. Next year, if everything works to timing, you will see the final episode, yeah. which means in 2020, people will be voting on the final season of ah, Game of Thrones. So it's if the timing all works out that way. Okay. Now, I might be off a little bit of that, but I think there, I think there's probably going to be another yearly skip there. So it, that's like, going to get in. And so that leaves to. us one spot here okay. for so drama Now, I, I think, now let's... Let's be very blunt about this. Okay. There are some shows that everybody would love to be nice to, and they just can't be. No. There's you. It's like Alice Cooper, no more Mr. Nice Guy. I think ultimately, you. There are a lot of people who think ABC Scandal, which had its final season, that's never going to happen here. Okay. Never. So we'll say no more. Well, I think Shonda I th Rhimes I is think, not an Emmy magnet. Okay. She is I a think, ratings magnet. I think. The and on the decline there, I mentioned, but it doesn't matter. She's going to Netflix. She got yeah. multi <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars, and she's yeah. she's leaving town for All the right. streamers. There you go. The Americans is also in its final season this year. Now it has been and snubbed, snubbed last year. Snubbed. I think there is a very good opportunity here for that FX show, and I do have that one right. It's not on AMC. It's on FX. <laughs> um, I yeah. think that I had that right. Even more so because a tale. Of Russian interference in, in American affairs, Timely. be it take place in the 1980s Timely. or not, and the way this last season is working out, kind of throwing as if it's kind of throwing seeds yeah. towards today. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance, and there. it does have at least some precedent of having been nominated in this category. Um, so, and it has Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese in it. Yes, who, and it's that show that you feel people want to give it the recognition and it just doesn't quite make it in the end, uh, you know, to Emmy stage. Why do you think The Americans has been snubbed? Uh, but I think The Americans could be that seventh slot. But why slot. do you think they have been snubbed before? I don't really know. I just I, I put a lot of firepower behind them. To, yes, and, the and, you know, and that's the one that FX has been so frustrated by in not being able to bring home the Emmy for drama series there. You know, I mean, and uh, even for the actors. Uh, it's been a tough thing. They brought it home for Margot Martindale, who gets nominated and wins awards for basically showing up. So she's wonderful, but that is because Emmy voters know the name, they love her, they check it off, and she gets nominated. It doesn't matter if she's in the Americans or whatever show. The Belgians. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, let's look at how some other. Mar- how many times has Martin? Mar- Mark, how many times has she won? Um, she well, she finally won for Justified, which was That's so right. amazing. Yeah, that episode she won for, and then she won for the Americans. I think she won a couple of times for the Americans. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, she is the, uh, the 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 big awards winner there on that That's show. Right. Now let's talk about some of these first timers. The Deuce on HBO is probably going to be too rough for a lot of the older Emmy voters. I, I you know I also think too. And, and, and it, it's faded a bit, but there were some questions vis-a-vis the personal behavior of James Franco mm-hmm. that I think will make some people uncomfortable in a show that's saturated with sex. Are it's you about- saying he should call Saul, too? I mean, come on. How many of these okay, people I, are going to get mean, knocked out because okay, of this look, thing? I know you used to write for Arsenio, but are you going to kill this <laughs> girl? Like, come on. Like, I'm going to drive on. it into the ground. You are going to, you are going to, <laughs> and you know why you're doing this? Because, because you are tight with Brian Cranston, and you really want him to give you a shout-out because of this. Okay. But... I do. I don't think the Deuce is going to make it, even though I think Maggie is fantastic in it and should receive it. Oh, uh, she! I hope gets nominated. I, I, I really I, do. I, you know, Jason Bateman got nominated for the Golden Globes and SAGs for Ozark. I Ozark's think, very good. It's a little derivative of uh, Breaking Bad, probably in voters' minds. I think so. Though I have heard the second season does address some of that and and tries to move the ball forward. That's good. Yeah, I think because the show's what, got tremendous promise. I think that's where it might be. I, I think yeah. I think this year. There's just a real bottleneck, and you yeah. kind of, if you're going to be the guy who's going to slip in before the door closes, I don't know if Ozark's going to be that. I think yeah. Homeland, again, Homeland's one of my favorite shows of all time. Had a great season. Had a great season. Again, felt very Wow, timely, ended very like timely. that whole ending and everything yeah, else. the whole thing. I have to say, Elizabeth if Marvel, something's coming back, it may be Homeland. I just, I feel that it doesn't, in the, I mean, I feel like this is a numbers game at a certain yeah. point, right? And right. if you look at all those season twos, of Stranger Things, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, This Is Us, Westworld. Yeah. Then you think, as you said, Game of Thrones has to come back. Right. So you've really got one or two slots. If we go to seven, and that's we'll if have we that. go to if seven. If we go to seven, because otherwise we definitely have six yeah, here. Exactly. That we, so that I mean, you're already there's no room. You're already basing your predictions. Yeah. I'm not saying you. I'm saying one. Or, or if you're a producer or, or an actor or a writer on a show like this, you're basing your your optimism on a a, a hypothetical. Within a yeah. prediction zone, so right. uh, like that's like that that's not even Vegas. That's like Reno, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, that, that hurts you. I mean, I look. Yeah. My heart and head is with Mindhunter. I love that show. Yeah, with David Fincher and, and Sh- 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 that's Sh- a total behind, culture. You know, Holt and Jonathan behind it was yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. They're, they're so why not that they're show? They're currently filming the second season right now. Pittsburgh. Just driving over here, I saw a big billboard for Yeah, Mindhunter. and they've been doing events. The guys, they've been like literally dragging out of like, you know, shooting in the day and whipping up to New York. I know they're doing an event here in, in LA as well. I just wonder if it's got, if it's, if any other year, it's a no brainer. Right. Mine Hunter's a contender. This year, with the, with the, the grandfathered show, so to speak, yeah. with Game of Thrones back in. Do we give it our one newcomer slot here, or do we would, go with the I, Americans? I would give it my... See, that's a hard one for me, because I think the Americans are one of the greatest shows ever to be on television. Yeah. But I think that... I think... You know, I can't do it. I, I don't know. Like, if you want to flip a coin, I think yeah. Mindhunter and the Americans should both get in. I think they should extend the category to eight, and they should, yeah. give, they should put them both and, in. And I wouldn't put it past Homeland to pull off a nomination here. Uh, definitely not uh, a one show that you know came on strong in its first season. 
totally fizzled in its second season. Mr. Robot will not be visiting this category this year, I don't think. Domo Marigato. No, no. Okay. All right. So, and and uh, a couple of others like the Chi and uh, Legion. All and... of all of which have great names connected mm -hmm. to them. All of which yeah. have great, great. But we're not. Great... We're not looking at that. It, it, uh, this is math. Like this. this <laughs> honestly, like you yeah. know, you talked about it in our intro. I mean, this is the marquee yeah. category. I know. But this marquee category comes down to some very simple numbers, and yeah. you you can mm -hmm. run the TV Academy numbers like you can the Movie Academy numbers better yeah. than anybody I know. Yeah. And once you do the math, right? Yeah. There's a like there's a cul-de-sac. Yeah, there is. Seven homes live in that cul-de-sac, yeah. and that's who's on your that's neighbor. It. Like, that's it. That's it. These shows uh, that are coming back are just too good. You know, they are too consistently good and, and, to knock and, out. And if you don't think they're too good, which you'd be wrong, actually, in yeah. my opinion, but nonetheless, they also hit all the major beats. I yeah. mean, This Is Us is a perfect example yeah. of that. This Is Us is, is a show that 10 years ago was on HBO and now it's on NBC. Yeah. This is part of the evolution of the industry. Yeah. You know one show I really like, because uh, you just reminded me of it, uh, from This Is Us, which is a broadcast network show, which hasn't been getting in this category until that came along. Uh, and before that was The Good Wife. And I think The Good Fight, which is on CBS All Access, is a really entertaining, highly political show. It Great does, show. It does. It is not that afraid to name that names. That not and, afraid to name names. They had a whole episode about trying to impeach Trump. I know. Which, I saw it. Yeah. It's amazing what they're doing there. And Christina's there. fantastic. I yeah. mean, she's just amazing. I think the problem is uh, that uh, voters like the public doesn't know how to get CBS All Access. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, and and I talked to the creators, the Kings. It's on, it's coming up on Behind the Lens. And um, and they had that same problem. They said, yeah, that was our concern too, but they are uh, also available on um, uh, Amazon and- Well, uh, I mean, the thing yeah. about CBS All Access, and this is what I think they did with Star Trek Discovery and a few other things that they've got coming down the pipeline, that is about investing in tomorrow, yeah. right? Regardless of what happens between Sherry Redstone and, and Les right. Moonves, whatever. But that's about investing in tomorrow. And CBS All Access is a damn good investment. Yeah. But you have to say, I'm gonna stick this out because it's gonna grow, right? right? Yeah. It will. Yeah. It has. Yeah. They, CBS have been very strategic in their Emmy campaigns. I got one of those boxes, you know, and they're like, free? You want to watch it? Here you go. Here's there a code. Go. I know. But I do, <laughs> I do still wonder, you know, when I go to Emmy events, and I don't mean to sound like a jerk about this, yeah. but look, I'm no spring chicken, but I'm commonly the youngest guy in the room, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I wonder how many people... No, so I get this card with a code. Yeah, and what does it and mean? And I go on my computer. It's too complicated. And, like, and, and already they're like, okay, that's like five steps more than buying something on Amazon. Like I'm yeah. stopping, right? right? I know. If, and I really do believe we live in a three-click world. And if yeah. you take me beyond three clicks, it's too much work. Yeah, I'm busy. I thought the show was terrific and brave and different and, and, and really goes in places yeah. I did not expect. And I thought, well, maybe you couldn't have done that on the network, but you can do it on CBS All Access. The uh, creators seem to think, oh, they could have done it on the network. I, that show could have ran on CBS easily. Yeah, like, that's and that, but that's why, Moon, that's why Les and the gang did it because they're yeah. like, look, this was a this was a marquee show, marquee being yeah. the name, being our word of the day, yeah. marquee show for us. We are going to use this along with Star Trek as a magnet, and yeah. we will pull people over. You'll pull and they people did. over. They there did. They pulled, They got great. They got really healthy, solid subscriptions. They pulled yeah. people over. But in terms of getting awards yeah. for this, 
Maybe not. But what the people in it have gotten plenty of awards. Christine Baranski, Audra McDonald, on and on and on. It's a really great New York kind of Broadway cast brought to television. People, Mike Holder is on Luke Cage is coming back to play the role that he did yeah. some of what he, he did in the good fight. You gotta watch got the you gotta watch the good fight, no matter how difficult it might be. And Amazon Prime, it's on there too. If you get Amazon, you can get this show. There you uh, go. There so you go. when it all comes right. to the best drama series, we have we say it's all about math, but fight the good fight. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Brothers Unscripted Television's The Voice. With a coach lineup that includes Adam Levine, Blake Shelton, Alicia Keys, Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson, and Miley Cyrus, it's no wonder Hollywood Life calls the hit NBC series our favorite reality show. And when faced with tough competition, Variety says The Voice reigns. The Voice, for your consideration in all categories. Screen full episodes at WBFYC.com. Well, recently I went to New York on location with uh, the actor's side, my Deadline video series, and I interviewed the great, and I mean the great, Mandy Patinkin. Saul Berenson! Uh, we love him. Yeah. From, from Homeland, been on that show uh, forever, and uh, still doing great work on that, as he does everywhere. Uh, and we also remember Saul Berenson is a legacy love. of. If you could yeah. see in our, in our tiny little hovel of a studio, we have a, we have a Mandy Patinkin poster, because, yeah. of course, he came up in a previous TV talk where we remembered that he, when we were wondering about doctors who win That's enemies, true. That's right. And Mandy. by the way, during my uh, recent interview, which you're about to hear, I brought that up, and I told him that we interrupted our broadcast about the doctor thing, and he was fascinated by that. Uh, and to know that he was the last doctor to win an Emmy on I'm television. I, I'm dying to hear more of your interview. But it's I'm, very I'm, good. It's I'm a, scared to know that Saul Berenson is fascinated by anything we do. He was fascinated. He was the nicest guy. Anyway, listen to this interview with Mandy Patinkin. Very excited about this. I'm a big fan, big fan of your Broadway work, your, your theater work especially, too. Um, but you do it all. I mean, you, you, you're everywhere. And of course, Homeland, I think you've now done seven seasons? Is seven right? seasons we wow. finished at the end of March. Yeah. yeah. I just finished airing in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, I think last Sunday. I'm not sure. A harrowing ending, by the way. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to start right off. You're going to do an eighth season, right? Yes. And is that the end? I've heard rumors. I haven't uh, heard anything. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so I, I have no idea. I, uh, we're contracted through eight. Yeah. That I can tell you. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's interesting, um, I saw an interview with the producer who said, you know, when we come back for the eighth season, we may not pick up where the seventh left off. Right, we often yeah. have a time jump, so yeah. I'm sure that'll take place. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen, though. With <laughs> no. well, you won't hear it from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought I'd try. <laughs> but you, you've, you've stuck with this show for several years now. It's obviously a character that's close to your heart, Saul, mm. and you've been able to do things more than just act in a television series, but a series that tends to reflect real life and make a difference, and that is something that appeals to you, I imagine. Deeply. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess the most precious thing about it all is I never imagined uh, anywhere in my career that because of the success of a television show on a global basis, that it would give me the opportunity um, to be the voice for the most vulnerable people in the world. And, mm -hmm. and that's uh, referring to my work with the International Rescue Committee, uh, where I, I travel with them at the end of every season, uh, the day after we wrap, and I go somewhere in the world where there's a refugee crisis. And I, I visit these people and record their stories and share it with the world um, because they have no voice. And 
they teach me how to live. And that is one of the greatest gifts uh, that I never imagined I would be given from a show called Homeland. Yeah, it is remarkable. And you know, something like that, I know your work with Syrian refugees and everything you've been able to do. Do you take that back too to the producers and the writers and try to incorporate this into the show too, your own real life experiences in this? Um, without a doubt. I mean, it's all online. I mean, they're all, uh, my kids insisted that I sign up for social media, so <laughs> all the social media is there, the Facebook Mandy Batinga, the Instagram Mandy Batinga, and the Twitter, somebody stole my name, so it's Batinga and Mandy, but all the visits we have with everybody is all online and available. Yeah. And uh, the producers, uh, I share a lot of it with them. Uh, other conversations I have with individuals, both from the intelligence com uh, community and other individuals around the world uh, that are um, dealing with crises, uh, that want their tales told right. in our tale teller. <laughs> um, and so uh, what I love most about our show is the, um, the collaborative nature of Alex Gonza's writer's room and environment that he sets up, so much so that uh, we have in-depth discussions about what might be best. I had campaigned for years uh, for uh, something, uh, the likes of what happened in the final episode, episode 12 of season 7. I, yeah. uh, when I got that script and I saw what Alex did, that was my dream come true. Uh, wow. uh, and I won't say for people who haven't watched yet, but I don't want to spoil anything, but he wrote a, a piece for someone that uh, was delivered brilliantly by this actor, and and uh, my I, w I I couldn't have been more proud because it's a fictional tale right. that we're telling, and it started off that way, and then to some degree it became a bit of a Polaroid mm -hmm. of the real world that we're living in. Right. Uh, so that's okay. Uh, there's room for that. It creates water cooler conversation, and but I think what our job is is to poeticize, dramatize and at best, hopefully, uh, offer some possibility or option to the world's status quo that isn't working, that's yeah. broken, that is creating suffering all over the world. And he offered something in the writing this year, and, and, and I, I was just ecstatic. So isn't that, isn't that great? It, it, yeah. It's as good as it gets when that happens. Yeah. The collaboration between the actors and the writers on that level alone was also astounding, and so, I, you know, my glass is of course. overflowing from that. <laughs> and coming out of a little bit of Homeland, we're moving right to a little bit of The Handmaid's Tale. Now, season two of The Handmaid's Tale obviously is on Hulu week after week after week. You should watch it. I'm not going to go any further than that. And it gets better. I'm not going to go any further than that. And it's already pretty good. But what was great is that our Contenders event earlier this year, I got to sit down with two of the brains behind season two. And they had a lot to say. So guys, let's talk a little bit about season two. Because what's interesting here is, is you guys have gone beyond Margaret Atwood's amazing, well-known, acclaimed, best-selling book. Um, how was that, Bruce? And, and I got to ask you, like, it's Margaret Atwood, man. Like, I mean, really? Like, you're supposed to tamper with that? Like, uh, yeah, it was very akin to the feeling in the first season. You just don't want to fuck it up. Um, but moving ahead, uh, you know, Margaret was the most encouraging and fearless person in that process. Uh, but I think that we're, we're still in Margaret's world. Aren't we all in Margaret's world? But we're still in Margaret's... Well, let's hope not too much in not that too world. Much, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're still in the world of The Handmaid's Tale and the places that you see up here, like the colonies and, and other 
where the Econo people live and those things are all things that are mentioned in the book, they're just not explored. So we got to go and build the worlds that she had just mentioned and that we had referred to in season one. So that made it very much an Atwood, still an Atwood season. Warren, you know, you have a, a, a deep, deep legacy in history and television. For you, you know, you guys won the Emmy with this. You can definitely clap for Warren Litterfield, by the way. I love this man. Thank you, that's Dominic. A, that's a must-see clap, to use a bad <laughs> pun. Um, you know, you guys won the Emmy, which I will continue to pound that drum. But this, this, this season kind of shows us from the clip and, and from what I know about it, it shows us how we got to The Handmaid's Tale in many ways. And there are other themes here. And I, I want to know, again, no spoilers for a show that comes next week almost, but tell us a little bit about what we're expecting to see in season two. Well, it's a very ambitious year. Um, and I think we felt that we didn't want to duplicate ourselves. We felt really satisfied with what we did year one, but our ambitions were greater. So Margaret in, in the novel has, uh, she writes about the colonies, but the narrative never goes there. And it felt to us in year two that that was a place we had to go. And you see a glimpse of the place where unwomen are sent. And um, from, from a distance, way up in the sky, it's beautiful. Um, as much of our show is. And when you get close, it's truly horrific. Um, and that's a pretty powerful element. But yes, also, Dominic, what we do is, I think in a more traditional platform, if, uh, heaven forbid, we were trying to do this for network, um, uh, Bruce Really, Warren, I mean, you're the last guy should say <laughs> heaven forbid network. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I suspect um, less conservative uh, platforms would have been forcing Bruce to say, um, okay, in the first two episodes, tell us how we got from America the Beautiful to Gilead. You know, lay that all out in the first two episodes. And, and of course, that's not what we did. That's not what Bruce's conceptualization was. Um, and, and so, in year two, through the eyes of our characters, the people who we are truly invested in, we get to see some of those monumental shifts in what happened how did it happen? Um, and, um, and we understand a little bit more of the transition from America to Gilead. Um, and, and so those are kind of the bigger seismic changes that we try and do in year two. And, and I think we're quite satisfied with, with what we did. So thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure, as we tell you every week, you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can find all of our Emmy breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. So thanks for joining us. Happy Emmy hunting. <laughs>